Have you ever wondered whether the problems in the world today would exist if we had deeper connection to ourselves, others, and the environment, and acted from that place? Welcome to the Conscious Action Podcast with your hosts, Brian Burnerman and Kayla Grimville, who believe that connection is the key to taking conscious action as individuals and creating a better world. We are here to raise awareness and inspire meaningful action by sharing stories, knowledge, and conversations with thought leaders and changemakers. From sustainability to well-being and everything related to conscious living, our mission is to empower you to be the change that you want to see in the world. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Conscious Action Podcast. I am Brian Berneman, your host. And for this episode, I have the pleasure to be joined by Sarah Arnold Hall. Thank you, Sarah, so much for taking the time to be here and for sharing with us. And I'm sure that this is going to be such a good conversation, not only for us, but for everyone listening at home. So for everyone, who is Sarah? <laughs> well, thank you for having me, Brian. Um, I'm Sarah. I am a high performance coach. So I help people go after their goals. I help them take action on the things that really matter to them. And so that could be something like starting a business. It could be writing a book. It could be doing a podcast. It could be, um, I've got, had people create charities, um, going after gold medals, all sorts of different goals and dreams that people have usually, and I think it kind of fits with the work that you do. They are um, a little bit aligned with like um, either the environment or a kind of a conscious kind of direction. So they're often writing a book about personal development or it's usually something they want to do to improve the world, not just their own lives. Um, just because most of the people who are going after the bigger goals in life, they tend to have more of a, um, an external element to them as well of the way they want to contribute to the world. So that's really fun. That's what I get to do. I help people overcome procrastination, essentially stop whatever's stopping them from, from going after their goals at full force. Beautiful. And as you know, like there's the conscious action podcast um, and at conscious action, uh, as you're saying, like there's an element of course of consciousness and awareness and what it's coming from as well as the taking action part. So I'm really excited for everyone listening, what they can actually do with that. But before we get into that, would you be able to share a little bit about yourself and how did you get into this space? Yeah. So I studied psychology and philosophy at university. And I thought I was going to become a psychologist. I thought that that was the route that I was going to go because of what I saw on TV. On TV, therapists, they sit in a beautiful office and they talk to people and they improve their lives. And that is definitely what psychologists do. But what I didn't see was how heavy psychology can be. And when I met psychologists at university, I remember the conversation where I was talking to a psychologist and he said, yeah, I've just come from the hospital and I've been doing brain scans. I've been reading brain scans with people and helping them recover people with brain injuries. And he was also sharing some other stories about the other elements of what he does. And while I think this work is so incredible and we need psychologists like this in the world, I had thought that I was going to what I thought psychology was or a therapist was, was really helping people achieve the, their biggest dreams and getting them out of the funk they're in and getting them towards the thing that lights them up the most. But unfortunately with the, the healthcare system that we currently have, there's just not space for psychologists to be able to help with that. As soon as you're kind of okay, again, you're out the door so they can help someone else. And so I discovered that there was this thing called coaching where it was kind of this, this process where you could take someone instead of from negative five to zero, you could take them from zero to 10. Mm -hmm. And so the kind of the, it's the other side of the coin of therapy or psychology. And I fell in love with it. So I first started coaching to just kind of get my confidence up. Um, I was just doing actually Instagram coaching. So I wasn't helping people with their mindset. I was helping people with 
growing their Instagram accounts. And I have discovered that, yes, I did really enjoy getting on Zoom and having conversations with people from all around the world, but I wasn't as passionate just about talking about the algorithm. Mm -hmm. And so I then trained um, in Arizona in a course by the High Performance Institute to become a high performance coach. And now that's, that's kind of my story of how I got into it. Beautiful. And, you know, it's always so interesting because we navigate through our life and we sometimes believe like this is the path that we're going and suddenly there's a moment perhaps of realization or perhaps small moments of realization of either this is the right path for me at this moment or let's make a U-turn or another turn somewhere in there. Um, And it's so good that as well, we're able to do that. I remember when I was younger, how a lot of my culture and and the people around me, I, I could see how the pressure of staying at something as well was playing out so much for people and making a change wasn't as welcome. So it's if you started like studying psychologists, like you must be a psychologist. And it's like, well, <laughs> like, and, and I think that from that element, the fact that you were able to, to realize, ah, this is actually similar, but this resonates much more with what I want to do. It's such a wonderful thing to be able to show to others, you know, like you could be studying for years something and then make a change and it's okay. <laughs> yes, totally. I love working with people who make changes who are like deep into one career and then discover this other thing they want to do. And then they make the jump. I think it's so fantastic. Mm. And, and, you know, with that is one of the things that I, that I wanted to, to ask you is for me, everything in life changes. That's the only, the only constant in, in the universe is that everything changes. And we have been conditioned a lot to stay in the comfort zone and to think or to believe that things are staying the same. And instead of making those changes, instead of testing out these different waters, we are comfortable in our space. How do you see the space of change and comfort in the taking action and going for what you want? There's, there's five things that I think stop people from making change or stop people from taking action. And they are confusion, overwhelm, self-doubt, fear, and lethargy or demotivation, if you put it that way. And almost always, it's one of those five things that stops people from making a change or from taking an action towards where they want to go. And once you can overcome those and flip those around to being emotions that do drive you towards action you can make any change that you want to make mm. and would you be able to to go a little bit deeper into all of those five just because as well i love unpacking what do we mean when we say these words mm-hmm. yeah so confusion would be you would know you're struggling with confusion if you have the thoughts like i don't know what to do I don't know what my next step is. I have no idea where to even start or I'm not sure which decision to make in a situation. That's how you know you are struggling with confusion. You know you're struggling with overwhelm if you're thinking something like there's too much to do. This is too hard. I don't know how I'm going to get it all done. If you notice those thoughts coming up, that's probably what's blocking you from taking action. If you are experiencing self-doubt, you'll notice thoughts like, who essentially like, who am I to do this? Or um, what are other people going to think if I do this? Can I actually do this? Am I qualified? Am I smart enough? Am I X enough to do this? Um, and then for fear, if you're, you'll, you can tell that you're experiencing fear. If you are noticing that your thoughts are very open-ended questions, what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? Um, you know, what if it all goes wrong or what, even what if it all goes right? Sometimes the fear is around that. And then with lethargy or demotivation, you know that you're feeling that when, or you know, that's blocking you when you have a thought, like, I just don't feel like doing it. Or, um, not right now. I'll do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. 
anything where it's like mm, just a discomfort for like in the moment, this feels like ugh, not right now. Um, and it's actually interesting because I do have a quiz on my website that you can take um, to see which one is the main one that's holding you back from taking action. And I get to see the results. And I, so I've been looking and it's really interesting because the mo- the biggest one that's stopping people is lethargy. It's this demotivation. Most people kind of know what they should be doing. Just when it comes down to it, they just don't really feel like doing it right in the moment. And I think that's something that we all struggle with. And some of us, I can certainly say for myself, I used to struggle with that a lot. And now I still notice those thoughts coming up. Like, I don't feel like doing it right now. I'd rather be doing something else. I'd rather just watch Netflix, but I'm much better than I was in the past. Now I'm much better at getting myself to actually take the action and change and shift those thoughts. Mm-hmm. So good. And, you know, I, and I use other frameworks as well. But the interesting thing for me with that is, of course, for many, it doesn't need to be just one. It can be a combination of things, or some of them are actually intertwined. Uh, and, and the biggest thing with this, as, as I'm sure that, and correct me if I'm wrong, is always acknowledging where are we blocked? Like what is blocking us? Because if we don't do that, then of course, there's not going to be any action. There's not going to be any, uh, let's call antidote for actually making the change or overcoming that that blockage. And and the thing with that, of course, is that we need to. (laughs) If not, then we are always staying here. And this might be comfortable because this is the norm. And the bad known sometimes for other people is better than an unknown. But in, and I don't know if you use the word antidote, what would be some of the, tools or antidotes that you would use when someone is saying like, Oh, I have one of this. Yeah. So it's, there's kind of a general concept for all of them, but all of them have their own like specialized kind of antidotes to overcoming them. But generally the reason that you feel any of those feelings is it's coming from your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So you have to acknowledge it, find the thought that's bothering you and, and check that that's the feeling. So it might be, oh, there's too much to do. And then you notice that you feel overwhelmed. And then you want to ask yourself, so what emotion would I need to be feeling instead to get myself to do the thing? So if right now I'm feeling overwhelmed, what I really want to feel is calm. Okay. So what thought do I need to be thinking instead to make me feel calm about this situation? And it can't just be like, well, it's a beautiful day because that doesn't stop me feeling like there's still too much to do. So it has to be directly related to the thing that's the thought that is stopping you. So I might think the thought, um, something like I can handle anything. Yeah, there's a lot to do, but I can handle anything. And that makes me feel calm. Um, So that's like how I would suggest to manage any of the thoughts. You would just look for the acknowledge the thought and the feeling that you're having, ask yourself for a new feeling, which new feeling you would want to feel, and then find the thought that's going to work. That's actually going to get you to feel that emotion instead. Definitely. And when, when I work with people like, and and this is just my approach, I actually work a lot within the body. Like I, I, we use the mind a lot yet my approach is way more focused on body and feelings, as you're saying, and energy. And of course, this is not everyone's way. There's a lot of different ways. Is that an element that you introduce as well when you're working with people, like the body aspect of it? Yeah, one of the biggest pieces that um, I do with my clients is helping them see how the feeling that they're that's blocking them, that that they uh, or the thing that they're avoiding doing, it's always just because of a feeling. Like you, the only reason we don't take action is because we're because of the fear feeling or because of the overwhelm feeling, and we're trying to resist the feeling the whole time. And when you allow yourself to just sit and feel overwhelmed, and you notice where that is in your body, you know there's no blood, there's no like broken bones, and we suddenly realize I can feel the sensation overwhelmed for me feels like a, like a heaviness in my chest. And when I think of it, just like a heaviness in my chest, I'm like, Oh, I can handle that. I can do that. I can manage heaviness in my chest. That's okay. And 
that makes the whole experience of shifting your emotions or changing your thoughts much easier because it's no longer resisting constantly that feeling it's okay. I'm going to allow the overwhelm or the confusion because I can just feel that, or it might be like a sickness in my stomach. And when I feel the sickness, I'm like, okay, that's like a little bit of squirming and it's a little bit of like wriggling around. I can handle that. Mm. Yeah, I, like I, I was talking the other day with with one of my students at university, and like, I'm not going to go into what she was sharing, but basically I told her, okay, what you're sharing, instead of go, instead of going to the attached thought that comes with that emotion, let's go into the feeling. Like let's just literally sit with the feeling. And I was like, okay, where in your body do you feel this? And she little by little started to actually recognize where she was feeling it and i was like okay so the saying is like now it's not that now it's just that sensation in the body and being able to work with a lot of the tools that we were sharing and suddenly it was like ah that's gone and the fact that most of us don't know this for me is incredible because it's in a sense it's so simple but women condition in such a different way that it's, it takes a lot of sometimes time and effort and learning something or unlearning another thing to be able to get to that place of this is actually just that. It's not what I'm thinking that it is, that it's so big and daunting. It's just this feeling in my body. Yes. Yes. It's just a feeling. And mm. um, I wanted to, to know, from your perspective, you, you said earlier that you get people from procrastination to action. What, A, what is procrastination? How does that come about on how to get to action? Mm, yeah. So procrastination is really in the, it's a behavior that we do. And I think Sometimes it's hard for us when we use lots of different words to kind of, we're kind of talking about confusion and procrastination and perfectionism or overwhelm. And those kind of all sound like similar different feelings, but actually procrastination isn't a feeling. Procrastination is what you do when you feel something that you don't want, essentially, usually you don't want to be feeling. So procrastination usually looks like not taking action. Uh, but for most of my clients, that doesn't mean doing nothing and sitting on the couch and eating potato chips. Sometimes it does. We've all been there. We've all just watched Netflix for too long and completely procrastinated that way. But often it looks like filling our lives with other busy work and instead of just doing the thing. So it might be cleaning the house or just working on another project. And, and, and that still feels like it's important to get done. So we kind of cheat ourselves out of taking action because we think, oh no, but this other stuff's really important. That's usually what happens when I see people procrastinate. And then in order to go from procrastination to action, you have to identify, like I was saying before, like what is the thing that's stopping you? So which of those five things, confusion, overwhelm, self-doubt, fear, and lethargy, what is stopping you? And then you have to shift the thoughts that you're experiencing. Mm. Yes, definitely. You know that uh, as you were saying that one of the key things that you mentioned that I think it's really important that when someone is actually procrastinating or when actually is doing nothing, we're always doing something. <laughs> like there's always something that we're doing. And the important aspect of that is we are choosing consciously or unconsciously we are choosing procrastinating we are avoiding something but we're always doing something and and doing something that seems not productive sometimes it's not recognized as a positive thing but it's always necessary and on the flip side if we got too comfortable there <laughs> we are procrastinating something else and i think that, you know it's the the being able to to notice the space as well that it's okay to be able to just create space for something but when is it enough and and with that you know I, I work a lot with myself and with my clients on working with time 
Is, is that an element that you bring into it? And how, if so, do you incorporate it? Yeah, so this reminds me of something that I've been, um, that I posted the other day that actually went totally viral. It got a hundred, it had like 5.7 million viewers on t- on Twitter, which is, which is wild to me because I'm not somebody who usually posts on Twitter. So this was like my fourth post or something and it just exploded. And the post that I was, that I shared was this idea that showing up every day and showing up for your goals doesn't have to look like giving it a hundred percent all the time. Sometimes you only have 2% to give, but when you give that 2%, that might look like journaling, that might not look like traditional work, but it's still moving you forward closer to your goal. So as long as you're always still taking action, it doesn't really matter how long it takes. And resting, for example, is a huge part of of being productive and taking action. Like if you're at the top of your game, um, I'm a big fan of Michael Jordan, who was um, an incredible athlete in his day. And he he probably still is an incredible athlete today even. Uh, But he he would train like crazy, but always also rest like crazy, like really take rest seriously. So that's kind of the way I like to think about it is whatever you've got to give, give that in the best way that you can. Mm, Yes. And, and, you know, with that rest, I I think that as well, it's really important to recognize what is being activated every single moment, like talking from a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic nervous system, understanding that we need to activate that aspect for our body and our being to actually stay balanced and to be okay. There's no point in getting to the place of being like deprived of sleep and not being rested and just burning our souls until there's nothing left to give. And then that crash at the end, which a lot of people do, but to recognize, okay, like actually the more productive that I can be includes taking rest, includes perhaps taking a break. It's one of the things that with all of the businesses that I work with, the number one (laughs) obstacle that I have or that people have is they don't recognize that taking the break from work is actually more productive than not taking that. Like one of my students last year, she wasn't sure if she wanted to to come to to the class because she had like two exams from other classes. And at the end, she ended up coming and she's like, I don't know, you know, like I'm, I was at the library and I don't know if I need to be here. I don't know if I'm going to be present. I'm like, okay, you're here, (laughs) be present. Let's work on this and then go back. And then the following week she came back and she said, it was the best decision that I made even though I was supposedly busy and I couldn't actually make the class that I went and I took the time and I worked on myself and that gave me enough energy to continue studying and to actually not burn out. And I was like, there's that recognition that there's an importance in that to be productive as well. Yes, this is reminding me of a quote. I can't remember who said it, but they said, um, if you're very busy, you need to meditate for 10 minutes. And if you don't have time, you should meditate for an hour. Yes. Because if you don't have time to, then you obviously need a way to create more time. And meditation is one way to do that. I, yes. I think that totally touches on Definitely. that point too. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to to ask you something that, that I think that it's really important in terms of when when working with someone and with understanding how to do that is at least this is my understanding. Everyone is different. Everyone needs a different space, time, different strategies or frameworks. How do you incorporate that into the work that you do? Well, I work with my clients one-on-one. And so I'm always listening for, is this one of the clients who needs to be pushed to take action because they're not taking any or other the client who needs to be pushed to take a rest? And sometimes people come to me like, for example, I have one client whose self-doubt is one of her biggest struggles. And 
for her, she's ex- she doesn't have any problem with lethargy. She will always, always be doing the thing that she needs to be doing, but it's the self-doubt that we work on. And so for her, she actually often needs to take time to just sit and be with the self-doubt and rest and, and not try to rush on to the next thing and push that feeling away. Uh, but for other clients, I have lethargy is their biggest issue. And so I will help them work on just continually taking action and not letting themselves off the hook. In fact, that's actually one kind of distinction that I see is you have to know within you based on the feeling that you feel whether you're resting or slacking off, because that's a, once you can tell the difference and you usually you can tell because when you rest, you, you recharge. And when you slack off, you continue to deplete energy. Yes, that's a real differentiation. And from the outside looking in, it can look the same. <laughs> yes. Because it could be the same activity for two different people. It could be both watching Netflix for both of those people. Could be for one person relaxing and for resting and recharging. And the other person, it's procrastinating and um, slacking off. And, you know... That reminded me of something as well that is in terms of taking action. And I see this a lot. And I actually don't resonate with this, but this is just me. I don't resonate with the hustling. I don't resonate with all of that efforting to be able to get to the place that we are wanting to go or that we know that we're going. And there's, you know, like, the hustle is is a big thing. Like I follow, you know, a lot of people that talk about that. And even though I don't resonate, I understand its place. What do you think about hustling? Oh, this is so good. Um, it's so I think that hustle has been given a bit of a bad rap. It, it's been um, seen as this kind of thing that creates burnout, but Really, it's our thoughts that create burnout. It's energy mismanagement that creates burnout. Hustle is usually used as a word to kind of describe all of it. But when you look it up in the dictionary, hustle, I I looked it up because I was considering um, using it for something. And the dictionary definition of hustle means to act quickly with energy. And I love that definition because I think we can get on like a lot of us who might not like the hustle can get on board with acting quickly with energy showing up and taking action now and making it happen and then resting a lot and relaxing. So I agree. I think it different stuff works for different people and we have to find what is the best mode for us. So like I'm somebody who really likes to take a lot of action now, but in terms of the effort that you're talking about, I think we, where you want to put your effort is you want to put in the effort to make things effortless. Mm. So you want to set your life up in a way where it takes effort to set it up once and then it becomes easy again. So try and think of an example. For example, I hired a virtual assistant and it took a lot of effort to get us to the point where she understood what I wanted. And, but now that I have her, it's so effortless. If I want something done, she just manages it and it's just wonderful. So, and I know that not everybody might be in a position to hire a virtual assistant. So it's just a, and I certainly wasn't for the first three years of my business. I did everything fully on my own. I was all of the people. So, uh, but it makes a huge difference Mm. that I put in the effort to train her and now see the result. And I think that shows up in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, thank you for sharing that definition of hustle, because what I've been seeing that a lot of people are talking about hustle is not that definition. Like that definition for me actually really resonates. Whereas the hustle that I've been hearing about is actually doing a lot and, and there's so much multitasking and so much that you're efforting and so much that you're going beyond what the body is telling you to do just because you want to get to that place that is what i don't resonate and i loved that definition that that you shared so yeah thank you for that yeah you're so welcome well it it's like with the hustle that you're talking about with the keeping doing 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 it's like we're trying to, you can't out action your thought problems or your feeling problems. We try to like solve the, the internal issues 
by taking more and more and more action. That's what like, is going on. When I think when people are hustling that hustly way that you're talking about, where it's like burning out and overworking and pushing yourself because there's almost always a better way. There's almost always an easier way to do it. If you realign, somebody gave me this example of like, it's like you're driving or it's like you're um, riding a bike and you're riding so fast to the destination and you go, I just got to keep going. I've got to keep, I'm, I'm late. I'm late. I've got to keep going. But if you just took one second to stop the bike, have a breather, and then look around, you might find a car that you can get into and go there 10 times faster than if you're like, but if you just like keep going and you don't even look around, you don't take a breather to kind of look for the way that you could actually make it more efficient and a better option. Like you've got to look within and actually just take a second to usually that. So like that metaphor in that situation, the car is your brain. Like you've got to reprogram your brain and your thoughts to actually, maybe you don't need to be doing all of the work. Maybe there's an easier way. I'm so down for like making things easy and doing things the effortless way. Yes, I actually I challenged the other day to one of my in one of my classes I challenged everyone to see if they could see life as effortless and life as being easy. Because we are all conditioned in different ways. Life is hard, this and that, and there needs to be a lot of you know like effort and a lot of work and it's like who said that? <laughs> And why, why do we potentially believe that? And once we believe it, of course, then it becomes a limiting belief for anything that is not that. And my approach that I am much more linked towards the effortlessness and towards the flow is, can I be open to that? And can we be open to that being in the way instead of all of the effort and everything like that? And, and I, I love that you said, you know, like, Okay, how can I set up, even if it requires some effort now, or what seems to be effort now, which is just action, <laughs> to be able to set me up for something with more ease later on. And I think that as well, that is one of the biggest things that I see a lot of times, that especially for those of us that we are solopreneurs and that we wear all of the hats, at some point it's like, okay... <laughs> Can I make that jump into hiring someone, getting a team, like you said, like getting an MBA and being able to, A, not how to do everything, but B, creating that space for less or more, more flow and potentially getting away from some of the blockages that weren't preventing us from having that flow coming in as well. And I think a lot of people, uh, myself included in the past, when we think about hiring somebody or delegating, we imagine like needing to hire them for 40 hours a week, but you could hire somebody for 30 minutes once a month. Mm. And like, it could be complete, like extremely effective or affordable. Or I know um, one of my coaches, he didn't like cooking and he was really busy writing his book. And so he went down to the local like uh, culinary training school, whether like a cooking school and he invited the students there to come and be a private chef for him for three nights a week. And for, I can't remember how long the period of time was six months or a year or something. He had a private chef come to his house for free because they need it on their resume that they've been a private chef somewhere. And it's quite hard to get those positions. And so he would pay for the food and they would hit the chef would make enough for him and themselves. And he would eat, three nights a week with this person. I'm like, this is genius. That's, that's a little bit of effort for so much effortlessness. Mm. And you just be a little bit creative about it. Yeah. And, and that is like that lateral thinking as well. Being able to, to see and to look outside of the box is like, you know, like what you said, like there's no cost on, on that, like hiring a... And this is the thing that I think it's so beautiful. And, and I've had a lot of like, interns and volunteers that for them that is a wonderful experience and they are seeking for that like there's people that perhaps are dying to work with you and they would do it in a sense for free at least from a monetary perspective exchange because they are getting something else and that a lot of times is how to be able to to get into more of an abundance place or from a different perspective is 
being able to think outside the box. I have this practice that I do with my clients called the mini big vision. And basically you take your big vision, you think as big as you possibly can of what you want to create for your life. And then you ask yourself, how could I have a little piece of that already today? So that instead of feeling like your vision is something you have to get to, you create a mini, like, like a model house. Instead of like having the big house, you have the little model house version of your vision of your vision. And then all you have to do is explain like is scale the vision instead of having to like get to the place where one day you can afford to have hire some help. You're already hiring help for 15 minutes once a month. Then all you have to do is now move to 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, and then you're just growing and scaling that way. So one of the ways that I did that was for me, I always wanted to have a massage every week. I was like the dream. And so I just started off by giving my, allowing myself to have a massage once every quarter. So every three months I would allow myself, okay, one massage. I'm like, okay, now I just scale the vision instead of waiting till one day I can have this like, you know, vision or wouldn't it be wonderful then, then I'll be happy kind of mindset. It's like, no, I can really create the mini big vision right now. Mm-hmm. And it can be, it can happen now. Beautiful. As you were saying that, I was just picturing Derek Sulander, like just talking about that little house for ants. But you know, love like, that. <laughs> that that's it's actually being able to see that as you're saying. And one of the things for me that it's it's so important. A lot of times, I was actually this morning working with one of my clients, and it was about getting him to see that that goal that he has it's already there. And how to be able to tap into that energy that it's already there and the steps will appear. And that, that, that is like what you're saying is all of those middle steps to be able to actually get to that place. Yeah, totally. And oftentimes I think we're doing, we're taking so many unnecessary steps as well. Like this is something you're, you know, you're talking about, especially with entrepreneurship or solopreneurship, there's, all of these things we think we need to be doing. I mean, I when I started, I was doing my website and my social media on all the different social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, like everything. And then coming up with 10 different programs that I wanted to offer, doing just every job I could, could think of, the networking, the meeting people, everything. And when it came down to it, I was spreading myself so thin, doing so many things that ultimately didn't even matter. They, like Most of them were not contributing to the result of what I wanted. They were contributing to making me feel like I am creating my goal. I'm doing this. I am a business owner. But like this kind of ego that it was like making me feel like I was setting up shop, but really not actually contributing or helping anyone, which I could have just walked up to one person and just said, can I help you? And I would have been further ahead than I was for the first year of my business. Mm. Yes. And, and one question with that and that, that I wanted to ask, and this is something that I think for me has been super beneficial, is actually asking for support. <laughs> like going and, you know, like I had some mentors and some different coaches and going and seeking for that, whether it's paid or not, like let's forget a moment about the money aspect of it people are willing to share their wisdom and it's up to us to go and seek for it. Yes. I think most people, you, if you ask for something, most of the time people say yes. Like their immediate reaction is how can I, how can I help this person? It's not like, Oh, how do I stop this person from being in my life? They're like, Oh yeah. Like I, I can, I could, I do know the answer to that. Or I do know how I could help them with that. Most people are going to say, some form of yes, or not me, but yes, I can help you find someone else. Or like, I'm always thinking about how most of the time you're going to get a yes. Mm-hmm. Surprising. There's an, actually an amazing guy who did this rejection challenge on, he think he did a, a TED talk about it. And he would just ask for crazy things just to get over his fear of connecting and asking for things from people and on the third day he uh, he went into a donut shop and he asked for donuts in the shape of the olympic 
uh, circles, the Olympic flag thing, circles mm. thing they do. And he wanted them all interlinked. And he thought that this was a crazy ask. Like he thought he was never going to get a yes. And he he filmed it and it's on YouTube. It has like 5 million views because the person is really sitting behind the counter thinking, yeah, how are we going to do this? Like, how can I actually make this work? And then he would go up and ask people just for money. Like, can I have a hundred dollars? And people are like, why? And he says, oh, I just would like it. They're like, okay. And they, it's just, it's incredible what people will, will do when you're like, yeah, I just, I just want this help in some way. Yes. And you know, like that's a, 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 an amazing way of, of working with it. Like uh, for everyone listening, if you haven't seen it as well, like the movie, Yes, Man, like mm. it's, it's, it's being able to, to get to that place and to change our mindset and to be able to, to see that for ourselves and also for others people are nice loving kind and they are giving people and perhaps it's not the right moment it's not the right person or whatever that can happen but most often you will get the support that you want well that's reminding me as well i love that movie yes man um it reminds me of usually when you ask for something, if you can put yourself in the other person's shoes and you can offer some kind of value, it it makes it very easy for the other person to say yes. So I read about this concept, it's called TPB. And basically it means their personal bonus. Why should this person help you? If you can look for why that person might want your help and what, what you could offer them, and it doesn't have to be something crazy. It could be just the fact that, they're going to get a great connection with you or that you're really efficient at doing something or try and find the thing that would be helpful to them so that when you're asking, it's a no-brainer. Of course, they want to help you because they're going to get so much out of it as well. Mm, definitely, definitely. And as I realize that we're getting towards the end of this conversation, I just have the last few questions. And the first one is, especially for those, because we have a lot of our listeners that are unhappy in their work situation, thinking of potentially going by themselves and there's a blockage there. And of course, there's a lot of them, but what would be some of the tips that you would give them? And I think that perhaps you already talked about some of them. Yeah, okay. So one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think about um, the person that is, they're wanting to leave the work that they're doing and, and start something new is that, for a lot of people, and I know myself included, imposter syndrome is a huge problem. It's like, who am I to do this? What am I, you know, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Am I qualified enough to do this thing that I really want to do? And I would offer that the moment that you stop thinking about yourself and you just start thinking about what you could offer right now, it dismantles the whole vision from being this huge thing that you have to do. Like if you want to start a company or you want to start a school or you want to start some kind of charity or something, it can feel so big and we can feel so small and so not ready. But the moment you just think about, okay, how can I help the one person in front of me? You take away all of the pressure from yourself and you just go out to like help one person. So if you want, for example, if you are doing something like I'm doing as a coach, you just want to find one person that wants coaching from you and go and help them. That's it. You don't have to have like a whole business set up and a website and brand things and like business cards and all of it. You don't need any of that. You can just just start and it's going to start taking off on its own and in time you'll be able to create all of that. But the other thing that I think is really important, specifically when it comes to leaving work to start a business or start a kind of a project, these are steps from my own coach. So I can't take the credit for these, this idea. And her name is Stacey Bayman. But she came, she comes up with three things that essentially it takes to create a business or create money. And I love these steps because they're so simple. So the first one is you have to meet people. Just talk to people, meet people. Don't sit behind your computer all day and like brainstorm and dream about the, the, the life that you want to create. Just meet some people. The second part is tell them what you're doing. Tell them what you've got to offer, whether that's a product or a service or something that you're creating. This is what I'm doing. And then the third step is offer it. Offer it to them. Say, would you like this? Do you want it? And that's essentially all that business is. That's all that creating a 
a big project that requires money is, is just meet people, tell them what you do, offer to help them. When you break it down like that, suddenly it's like, oh, we can all do that, right? We can all do that today. We don't have to have anything ready. You can offer it before you even have it to sell. You can offer a product before you've invented it because if somebody wants it, then you can go and create it. Definitely. And and I love that, that underlying one of that that you were sharing. There's the taking action. Like there's actually the going and doing something instead of staying in that place of the comfort or just overthinking it or even if it's not even overthinking, just thinking about it, you're actually doing something. And that is by taking action that's already removing the obstacles. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. And the last question, Sarah, is what would you wish that every person in the world knew? Oh, that's going to be so hard to boil it down to one thing. Could be a couple of things. In terms of like, and to keep it within the realm of taking action, I wish that my past self knew that It's not really about having the perfect plan or doing things. It's about who you're being. So every morning now I ask myself the question, who do I need to be to get the result that I want? And then I ask myself a follow-up question to that, which is now that I already am that person, she's already within me. What do I believe? What do I do? How do I show up? But I only answer those questions once I've asked myself who it is that I need to be. And I really believe in embodying that. I think we could, the world would be such a different place if we all embodied the future version of ourselves that we want to be and took them into now. So for me, that's often thinking one of my favorite characters from a movie is Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. Have you seen the movie Legally Blonde? Yes. Yes. I love her spirit. She's so, nothing is going to get her down. She's positive, but she's an optimistic, but she's also really able to solve the problems. She's not just pretending that there aren't any problems. And so I'll often say to myself, who do I need to be? I, I could be Elle Woods today. How would she show up right now? How would she um, approach this conversation or have this, uh, do this task? And suddenly it completely shifts the whole energy that you're in. And it just gets you to take action with so much ease when you're being the version of you. And it doesn't have to be Elle Woods. It could be anybody, or it could be just a feeling like a confident person, or it could be your future self. But if you can bring that person into the moment now, you can basically do anything. You can create, you can get yourself to take action in an instant. Yes, that's a beautiful way. I, like, I, I use this. And, and for me, this came from the, the Buddhist tradition that it talks about the fact that we are already Buddhas. We are already enlightened. And understanding the qualities that an enlightened person has that are already within us, how can I call more of that to be awakened within me? And then I can be that. And then I can go during the day and be that. And I remember I used to play basketball and, and I would call on, like I had all over my, my room, like the posters of Michael Jordan. And like, it was like, <laughs> you know, like I never played like Mike, but it was always about calling in for that energy. And it's like, I am that. And it was even though I, of course, wasn't as high and didn't have the same athleticism or the skill, I was calling in for that feeling and that energy to be able to go and play. And then, you know, like, cool, whatever happened, happens. It, because I'm not in that place of perfectionism or expectation. I'm just in the, what's the energy that I'm embodying? And that's it. Oh, I'm so happy that you said Michael Jordan, because literally the other person other than Elle Woods is for me is Michael Jordan. I think about him so much because like you're saying, we don't have to have the, the basketball skill of Michael Jordan in order to embody his mindset, his determination, his ability to never give up and, and keep going. And it just makes you, I feel like when I take on the identity of Michael Jordan, I feel myself like a, there's a power that comes over that isn't there when I'm just for, when I forget who I really can and what's really inside me is all of those qualities that he has. 
it's in all of us. Yes, definitely. And I think that's part of as well of understanding that who I think that I am is made up as well. Like, so if that's made up, why can't I also made up that I'm Jordan or someone else? It's like, yes. if I want money, well, I can just, you know, I can body a billionaire and yeah. get all of those qualities. So love that. This is reminding me of a, one other truth that I would love for the world to know, which is that so much, so many of the thoughts that we have aren't true anyway. So you might as well, we think that they're true, but, but did you know we used to think that babies didn't feel pain? I recently learned this. Apparently we thought babies didn't feel pain. We thought that, you know, the sun revolved around the earth. There are lots of things that used to be facts are no longer facts. Loads of the things that we think aren't even true. So you might as well choose some thoughts that actually help you get to where you want to go instead of trying to focus all the time on like what feels like the truth within yourself. It's like, let's just do the thing that's actually going to help us in this situation. Believe that because that's, what's going to drive us to take action. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Sarah, for, for sharing all of that for everyone listening. If you resonated with anything that Sarah or that we shared during this episode, please leave us a comment and share your experience as well with some of them. If you resonated with what she's sharing as well, go to her website, take the quiz. And what's your website, Sarah, so that people can go and we'll share it on the show notes. Yeah. So it's my name. It's saraharnoldhall.com. And you can find me everywhere. Just Sarah Arnold Hall. Beautiful. So go check it out. If you resonate with her, go and work with her because it will help you to get to the places that you want. And of course, it needs to resonate. That's always the thing. If it resonates, go and do it and take action. So thank you, Sarah, for taking the time, for sharing and looking forward to more conversations and more action taking. Thank you, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Beautiful. Bye, everyone. And we'll see you on the next episode. What did you like the most about this episode? Take a moment to think about what change you can make in your life today. Share your conscious action on social media using hashtag conscious action and tagging at conscious action and set so we can celebrate your impact on the world and create a ripple effect. One easy action we would love for you to take right now is to share, like and subscribe to this podcast. This will help us get these messages out into the world and inspire more people to take conscious action in their own lives contributing to the better world we hope for.